I mean, should we start off like showing off like our quarantine haircuts? Like, <laughs> they're fine. They're not good, but they'll do. Yeah. Tony is much, 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 much better than I am in the quarantine haircut barbershop type things. No. Nope. Debatable. Way better than, look at this. What is that? Is that a two, a one, a one, and then a two? Did you skip a three? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Angel and Tony show. This is the uh, quarantine edition because... Hey. Uh, we no longer live on Earth anymore. So it's a super awkward for us because we've been off for like four months or something like that. <laughs> but, and now to bring it back, we have to bring it back in this whole other new format that's super weird. And hopefully this is recording right. Today, we're gonna be talking about something a little bit more serious than usual. And we got a special guest who actually reached out to us because she had something that she wanted to talk about and she thought that our show would be a great platform to do it and i thought it was super awesome and i think it's something that a lot of us can relate to now that we're all stuck in the house with nobody to deal with nobody to distract us from ourselves well i think our guest is in the building our digital space building hi yeah, I know, right? Nice to meet you. Ashley and me go back a really long time, I think, uh -huh. since like seventh or eighth grade. One of the cool things about doing this show has been that a lot of people that I'm friends with on Facebook or Instagram or whatever have seen us and listened to some of the show and like saw what we do. And this is one of the times where like somebody reached out to us to be like, hey, man, I think this would be a good place for me to tell a story. We did a little bit of an intro thing before you came on, Ashley. So a good place to start would be maybe to tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from. Tell us about your, your upbringing, your family. My upbringing, um, probably similar to a lot of um, people out there. Um, your parents fell in love, got divorced. For me, it was a very young age. I had two older siblings, a brother and a sister. I was the baby at the time of that divorce. Now, going into this whole story and kind of how my journey went with all of this, and um, I always tell myself and my parents that, and they don't really know, like this is kind of big for me because they don't really know everything. Like I live two different lives. And I always tell them when I have conversations about certain things that, I understand like why you got divorced, um, but I don't fault you. Like that is not why I developed the issues that I developed. And they both tried to do whatever they could just to keep a roof over our head, um, keep us happy, just a normal life. But it wasn't easy. And there's a lot of things that I saw and I witnessed, um, which kind of made me the young adult, wellness independent. Um, stubborn at times person <laughs> than I am today. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't change anything that I've 
done to myself or what I've gone through for anything because I know that it's definitely made me who I am and a big part of what I went through. I also went on a journey to find like cat or cat found me and that is something that um, I will never push down anybody's throat or anything like that but like just lead by example. So finding God and having that person to talk to and knowing that there is a heaven and things like that, that has definitely kind of like kept me here on earth amongst other things um, and it has kind of molded me into a different person. We should just address the elephant in the room in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I, I was literally about to say that. Um, so let's, I, w I wasn't expecting you to go that far, but that's good. That's fine. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I didn't know what to say. No, it's all good. So let's, let's say, let's, why don't you tell us like what we're here to talk about today? So my, re my purpose reaching out to you doing this is, um, I'm 34 years old, 34 years old and probably since I want to say it started fifth or sixth grade when I really started to pay attention and recognize things. Um, I developed an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And it was both as you go on your journey with Ed, as we call it, um, there's different types of eating disorders. But at a young age, you physically, you, you look at yourself and you notice things. And then as I got older, obviously, I went on my path of experimenting with different types of those eating disorders, right? So you have anorexia, bulimia were probably my two biggest ones that I fought with. So, you know, that's what we're here to discuss today. And me coming to you is because it's like, like I said earlier on, we live two different lives. And now that I am the age that I am, and I have two nieces and our family's changing and things like that, you notice things about yourself. And it's like, you just want to like, run on the top of a hill in screen and be like, this is what I have. And I need people to just understand I am the way I am because of this. Um, and for me, I never sought help. I always um, read books or searched things or I self-treated myself because I was always afraid that um, someone was going to put me away somewhere or take the control away from me, right? And with different types of disorders, whether you're alcoholic, drug, whatever. One thing I definitely learned is when my control is taken away from me, I'm like, oh, I freak out. Like, I'm in control. So it is, it's, it's, it's really hard. And I've noticed certain things um, with my personality, with um, when I spend time with my niece, there's some things that they'll say to me. And it's like, they're starting to recognize. And my sister and my mom know a little bit because I've had, I've definitely had moments in my life where I had to call them or they found things. It, it was just brush it under the rug, you know? Um, so we know a little bit, but if I were to, you know, put a projector on and show you my whole life, I think that I would probably make a lot of people cry and myself also because it, I would never wish this upon anybody. And it's just something that it happens. And a lot of people think, um, girls do it because of they want to look a certain way but a lot of it too is about other stuff that goes on in your life and you just want control perfection you want everything to go right it's just like any other disorder there's just it's a lot but i wanted to talk about it and get it out there because i think a lot of people do have it and and, and guys too and it's it's okay to have it and it's okay to deal with it one thing i've learned is um i don't have a big group of girlfriends and it's really hard for me to get along with other girls because I am the way that I am, and I find that I look at life different. So when I when I try when I meet new girls, it's like trying to get to 
you or see your, your mindset and they just don't understand. So I, I tend to, I'm an introvert, but I'm also an extrovert. What does that mean when you say that you, you are the way that you are? So like my eating disorder in the past and dealing with it, a lot of people, um, you read and it's like, don't let that run your life. But it will always be a part of my life. Um, it's always going to be there. It's always something I'm going to think about. When I meet people, friends, families, boyfriends, I mean, it's hard for me sometimes to have a relationship with somebody because they're like, well, let's go out to dinner. I'm like, yeah, I'm not the best. I'm a cheap date, you know? Like, I'm not going to sit there and have a meal with you. It's like, you, I am the way that I am. Um, and I say that because it's always going to be with me. I, I can't change this because it's always going to be on my mind and it's hard just to have people just understand they try to change you and they meet you when you have these conversations with people they just kind of like in one ear out the other yeah like when you so i just want to like go into it like a little bit deeper like when you say you started to notice things you know in Mm -hmm. fifth or sixth grade about yourself like what kind of things did you start to notice and like what what are the things that you might notice now or that that kind of like are your um triggers for lack of a better word like so for starters for me when i was young um my mom was and you might have been at a few of my house gatherings because we hung out with like some of the same kids that were in bands you know in high school and stuff and one thing that um some someone always said was when you walked into my house um it looked like you walked into a hotel room so my mom was always a perfectionist, and everything had to be perfect. You couldn't have a tissue in the garbage can and things like that. So um, as I got older, if the situation or my work environment or um, home life, any situation wasn't consistent or controlled or there was a structure or routine, that would be a trigger for me. Mm. Or if I was sad, like things would trigger me to, I got to make this perfect. How can I be perfect? And when you look at yourself with an eating disorder, so your body, your, the way that you look, is your self-control. So mm. you try to make that as perfect as you can. But then here's the kicker. So there's different types of eating disorders. You have anorexia and you have bulimia. So early on, I loved to run. I was always into fitness. And that was something that definitely came easy for me. But then it's like you read a little bit about different things. And it's like, you know, God, I would love to eat that cheeseburger. And then you realize, well, I can and then I can get rid of it. And then I used to know that I could go run for an hour, two hours, and like defeat myself of whatever was left. And it's crazy because you get like this high after you get rid of it. So there's certain like triggers that people would set off in me that would trigger that binge. If someone was mad at me, if I disappointed somebody, things like that, or just, you know, being alone and not having anything to do. So I think I talked to you a little bit about, I did your boyfriend. So it's like when you're with somebody, you spend so much time with them. So if I had too much downtime, I would go to my ed and I would spend time with that. Mm. Um, it's kind of scary because looking back on like life events and everything that I've done, I've wasted so much time with ed. And as I got older, I started to realize like, I have to, I have to nip this in the butt, you know? And my sister had her first baby. There were moments when it was like, oh my God, if my niece called me or my sister called me, it was like, hey, let's go for a walk, you know, 
you know, Nina in the stroller and I just got done on a binge, like I couldn't go. So there's moments like that where it's like you scare yourself. But I definitely had moments, several moments where it's like, holy shit, you know. And so where do you think that it got like the worst? So my mom worked a lot. She's full-time mom was always at work. So I started things pretty hardcore in probably my freshman year of high school. Um, and here's the other thing, you start to pay attention to people's patterns or their routines. So like I knew that my mom would be gone all day. So when it came to homework and stuff, she never enforced that with me. So I would come home, do a little bit of homework, and then I would, you know, spend time with my ex, whether then, you know, exercising like crazy or having a binge, things like that. But definitely through high school, it kind of got crazy. Um, and then probably after we graduated, um, had a pretty dicey situation. It wasn't really a relationship, but it was like six years long. And, um, and I say this, he just, he lied to me the whole six years, but I was like head over heels, and I thought he was going to be the one. So it wasn't really a relationship. It was just, I was just in his web of lies for six years. And I think I was trying so hard to be so perfect for that person. And then obviously I was going through some things with my job at the time. Um, I lived on my own, just trying to keep a roof over my head. So I had a routine and um, that's probably when it got the worst. And then probably my early 30s is probably when I really grabbed the reins. But here's the thing, it's just like anything else. You have good days and you have bad days. And it's like up and down, up and down. And I've been in relationships with people, with men, obviously, who I'll be honest with them up front. And they're like, well, you do you. And I'm like, okay. Like, so those relationships don't really last long. And the other thing about the eating disorder, eating disorders is like, you're looking for someone to just accept you mm. and you don't always find that and then so you go back to your your ad there's certain things that because i don't know you this is my first time meeting you you know what i mean so i i'm you know i definitely like thank you for telling your story like appreciate that for sure but when did you start having um you said fifth and sixth grade i'm just trying yeah, to I'm i, I want to understand like you um just everything that happened you know leading up yeah. to that so like I said, like my parents were divorced and they were great parents, like this is not their fault. But I started noticing like my mom was always at work, you know, the group of girls that I hung out with in grade school, like they shopped and they had like the cute clothes at all the fancy stores. And they, so I remember being young and I remember I was always little and then it's like every little girl goes through that like ugly stage. And I remember just being little and starting to look at myself in the mirror more. And I remember, like, not liking the clothes I had. I had a little belly. Like, I, it, it's, it's so strange to me because it's like to think that at that age I was looking at myself. Like, I had a belly or I wasn't skinny enough. And then the fact that my mom was just trying to keep the three of us clothes and, and make sure that we were, you know, eating and things like that. Like, she was just trying to take care of us. Her, her crazy single mom, you know, because there was everything has to be perfect, and I was like, I have to be perfect. Um, and, and kids are mean, so I definitely went through the, the emotions and the feelings of like having friendships with people, and they point other things out to you. And unfortunately, like, like I said, I have a niece. I noticed that she starts looking at herself, and then she'll come to me and be like, Auntie, how come I, how come I don't look like you? 
like, okay, you have little bones. And I'm like, oh my God, like, they notice it. Just like I noticed it when I was young. Is that when you started, like, binging? Like, what was your, what was your lane, like, during was, that time? Only because, like, it's, it's crazy to me that you, I'm, I'm just going to interject, like, a little bit of my story. Like, mm-hmm. I have had, like, my own relationship with food myself, right? And I remember it was like earlier for me and it was like this, this like thing that I would do where I would like stuff a sandwich in my mouth and then I would take the napkin that was packed in my lunchbox from my mom and I would spit the whole sandwich out. Like, and I had no idea why I was doing it because I was like hungry. It was just a little like, I never really understood it, you know? So I, I, uh, but everything that you're saying, like, it kind of makes, it reminds me of like when I was in gym class and I would like sat down and I saw like my thighs for the first time Mm -hmm. like I saw them for the first time you know right yeah just a really interesting experience and like perspective so I I just wanted to see like where did you because that's about the extent that I did Mm -hmm. like during that period so I just wanted to see like kind of like where did you take it from there it's funny you say that because there was a kid in grade school and um, he called me um, saddle thighs. And I was yeah. it, like, it's sixth grade. And I'm like, you know, and I remember too, my sister making comments saying that I had thighs like my aunt and that she's like the Polish in us or whatever. So you do, you look at other kids and it's like, well, I don't look like them. But then here's the thing. So then I think it was fourth or fifth grade, I had like my ugly stage. And then in sixth grade, I was like a bean pole. And yeah. then I remember being like that through junior high, but I still looked at myself. And it's crazy because people will give you compliments and say things. Like, growing up, I was always told, like, I just like Julia Roberts. And yeah. it's like, huh, like, you, it's so hard for you to accept compliments. You, why are you laughing? Because I definitely <laughs> said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but... But it's like you look at it and it's like why well, don't believe that you know and um I mean there's things that I would do to myself like you check your wrist you you lay down at night and you try to put your hands in um, oh my gosh the checking of the wrist to make <gasps> sure like it goes oh yeah. man yeah checking of the wrist make sure your hands fit in your in your pelvic area when you lay down at night um I didn't do that there, yeah there's there's so many things that um that I used to do you know do clothes like I had clothes that were like okay well this is my this is my good outfit I know that you know if I if I fit into this okay I'm okay if I if I snug as a bug in it then there's an issue you know um as I've gotten older and you go on your journey you develop safe food like what's okay for me to consume what's not okay for me to consume unfortunately for me I remember when I got into high school school for me was never easy so a lot of that kind of plays a role. But also then you have the aspect of like depression. Like I wasn't always a happy girl, and but I knew it. And when I started doing a lot of like clean eating, I was more aware of like my emotions and my thoughts. A lot of it was just I was really sad, you know, and I saw my mom struggling and going through things and being angry. And I took a lot of that. Like I felt a lot of it. And I just wanted to be perfect for everybody around. Yeah, I felt like there were times when I would get yelled at and I did nothing wrong, you know? So there's a lot of 
you give yourself a lot of abuse too. Um, so there was definitely a lot of dark times. I had asked you earlier, what do you, what did you think the turning point was? And you told me that it was when you got your dog. So can you, can you tell me kind of like the situation, like where you were before that and like what led up to getting him and like what changed for you, you know, in your head and your heart, like after you got him? When you have an eating disorder, you have a routine and I would get up early in the morning. I would run, do a full body workout, go to work, come home, binge, get rid of it, go to sleep. So you're doing that all day, every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, a, there was a moment where I had two days off and I was like, well, I'm going to go to the pet store. So we went to the pet store and I was just looking around. And at the time I was all about big dogs, like didn't really care for the little ones. Mm-hmm. And he was the last little fluff ball. And I was like, I want to see what all this like Pomeranian obsession is about. So she brought him out and it was like, love at first sight. And that was like, oh my gosh. Um, and like, I just fell in love with it. So like, I remember like, I called my mom and I was like, oh my God, like, he's so cute. Like he tinkles and it was like no bigger than a quarter. I was like, it'll be easy, you know? Yeah. So I left the pet store that night and went towards the next day. And my mom had called me and she's like, I need you to step over here on your way home from work. And I was like, okay, so we did. And when I got over there, um, she had bought the dog for me. So when I got little man, it was like having a newborn baby. Like I was so obsessed with him and I not like maybe somebody else would treat their dog. Like he was my responsibility. He was my world. Like he went everywhere with me. And over the years with him, it was like, I have to here because no one would take care of little man the way that I would or like if I was gone who would watch over little man because I didn't trust him with anybody and he was my best friend and I could go out and have fun mm-hmm. but like as soon as I got home like I was just Debbie Downer so like if I had a really bad day I was really good at taking it put a smile on my face and that's one thing that people have said about you is you're always so happy and, and bubbly yes Completely, I am. I do believe in like a positive outlook on life, but on the inside, like I am screaming, never really sad. And little man, he was my best friend, you know, like he was always there when I came home. He would struggle with me. He was just, I couldn't, I would always say, like, I can't leave until you go. And that's why I always refer to him as like my little guardian angel because, you know, he's never, he's my guardian angel here on earth he's never gonna leave until i'm okay you know so, so i can relate i can i can yeah. relate to the whole like a uh, dog uh dog best friend um <gasps> i definitely have one and she's definitely <laughs> helped me through some things um for sure it's just uh, it's that mm-hmm. unconditional love you know and she's yeah. really good at knowing when my emotions are like really low because she'll come and literally like support like she will come mm-hmm. and like hug me She'll even hug Tony when he feels it, to be honest. She's really in tune with emotions when it comes to that type of stuff. But what I wanted to ask you about that is something that I've learned, something that I've personally learned through my own therapy and through being with my dog and my own self-reflection is that like, is there, was, is there a moment for you where you realized that it wasn't 
like it's more internal than external with your dog. Like, I guess what I mean, what I mean by that is what I found was that I was starting to become like more like co- even codependent on my dog with certain mm-hmm. things and certain emotions. And it wasn't until it wasn't until I like realized that I needed to face it on my own and she's there to help me, but she's mm-hmm. not there to do it for me. Every experience is different. I just was curious. Yeah. About, you know, um, it's, it's hard because there's a lot of times when like, um, I'll be having a really good day and it's like, you got nothing to do. And it's like, I feel like I'm going to have a bitch and the sun will be shining and I'm like, don't do it. Like you have to take the dog for a walk or you can go outside and spend time with the dog. So there are definitely moments where I use little man to kind of help me get through my issue. Sure. Um, and then there's moments where my own thoughts take over and then I see him and I'm like I failed today you know I let him down because there's a lot of times where he would just be curled up in a little ball waiting for me like outside of the bathroom you know and it would break my heart um so there's definitely most of the time that I've had him I've definitely kind of used him to help me get through it but then there's definitely times where I let him down. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's definitely, like, I mean, she definitely makes, keeps me active and keeps me on, like, a really good routine and stuff like that. The reason why I was asking is because there was a moment where I realized that, like, she was there to help me, but she can't Mm -hmm. do it for me. Like, I have to actually make decisions to to make improvements in my life and what I was doing. So, um, I was just curious to see if that was something that you could relate to or something that was maybe part of your journey or not yeah that's the thing too because like i i've always wanted to be like i can't wait to be a mom someday you know and my sister would always say like okay but if you have a baby someday you can't do that and that's the other thing it's like there's just certain situations like you know don't have a boyfriend that married like i don't have what everybody else has right now but it's like that day is going to come where like you get really frustrated and you think that you can have a binge. If you have a child, like you can't. You have to be there for that child, you know? Um, and there's definitely moments like. But I think. I um, little... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have. Oh, a, no, no, go ahead. I have a comment yeah. about that because I think that like it's external pressures that really push people to certain things, and it's like if yeah. we allow those pressures to affect us internally, like that's what creates all this like internal rupture like so Mm -hmm. for me it's like if you're if you're a mom that doesn't mean that you're a mom so all your issues go away or all of you know it doesn't work like that it's not some magic thing and that's what I mean is Mm -hmm. like for me the only way to to move past you know like different types of hardships or addictions or illnesses that we may have is looking Mm -hmm. within ourselves and not not for anything else or for anyone else dog boyfriend girlfriend mother mm-hmm. anything every time i've looked outside of something else other than myself has never worked for me you know and i'm still yeah. on my journey i'm on my journey every single day but it it's it's only been improving since i've like looked inside of my own self you know and not allowing any of these other pressures of like whether it's society or my parents or my family or my friends, you know, like, so that's just, that's just something that I wanted to comment. It's like, it's not just like this magic thing, you know, that, that just 
it's like, oh, there's these expectations because I think those expectations are part of the problem. It's funny that you say it because, like, when I, I always believed in God, like, we didn't go to church every day, but, like, I felt like at a young age, too, I definitely had moments where I wasn't alone or that someone was speaking to me. Totally. And when I found, I was at work one day, and I happened to be the one who always opened all the mail, and an attorney's business card fell out, and on the back of it, it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, not your ways, um, trust in him, and he will direct your path. So, since then, I was like, in that moment, like, it clicked, like, I was supposed to see that, I was supposed to find that, and I think also my, my journey, not looking to little man or, you know, other things, but I relied heavily on God to, to get me through this too. So like I have a book that I've been reading since 2013 and I start over every year and it, it helps me um, to just trust in him and just stop and, and take a breath and just relax. Everything's going to be okay. And for the longest time, like there was this um, church um, in, in my hometown um, and it was just this little white church, and it said, Jesus is the answer. And I would always take that street to work. And then one day, the sign, the sign was gone. And, like, for the longest time, it always said that. And I, it always kind of just, like, stuck with me. And then ever since then, they had never put, like, any other type of, like, thing. It's always, you know, reading or something like that on the yeah. sign. But for the longest time, it always said, Jesus is the answer. And I'm, for me, I took that as, like, God was saying, like, I'm the answer. Come to me. Open up your heart to me. Just trust in me. Like, I will get you through this. And then I went on my journey, you know, with God. And I try today to just kind of lead by his example. And there's definitely moments where I get, like, really frustrated. And it's like, did I read my book today? Because exactly what I was dealing with, he was, like, trying to tell me about. It's like, if I just took that time in the morning. And gave it to him, I probably would have reacted differently to my situation. Well, a lot about like discipline and regiment, I feel like with anything really. And I, I think I've been with all this quarantine crap, that's been a thing that I've been struggling with is just like getting up every day and being like, do something. And that was another thing I was going to ask you is like, I think when you have a struggle with depression, the worst thing to me is to like have to be by yourself or like yeah. not not have and kind of have that control taken from you because I definitely feel that like in the sense of I can't go do the stuff that would make me feel better like I can't go to the beach mm -hmm. or I can't like go see my friends or ride my bike in certain places one of the things that Angel had mentioned about even doing this in the first place was like that a lot of people are talking about that right now and how like mm -hmm. they're struggling with the fact that all of the things that they usually can do to distract themselves from dealing with whatever their major issues are like are gone like so you, you're just like mm -hmm. stuck with yourself your issue yeah and so what, that I, was a question i wanted to ask you was just like how has quarantine been for you so my quarantine probably isn't no different than my regular life, which is, I hate to say that, and it kind of makes you feel sad when you say that, but I, I'm an early bird. So like, I still get up early in the morning, take the dog out, ever since we got quarantined. Um, so I replaced going to work, which I get up, 
whether it's cold or hot outside, there's a certain spot I like to walk at. And I'm somebody who, if you have an eating disorder, you push your body to pass its limitations because you want that perfection. You want to see something different. I have a spot I go to, and I, I walk for about uh, three to four hours. And it's, it's this really big lake, and has a huge pack around it. We all practice our social distancing, but, but that's my time to go in the morning and pretend I'm at work so like little man gets through the long time. But I go there and it's, that's where I collect my thoughts. That's where I just talk to myself or, or I put on um, the comedy station and I listen. But I try to make, I still keep my routine so that I'm not waking up in the morning and I'm having a binge. It's been a while since I've, I've done, like a long time since I've done that because as you get older, it's like, I don't want to miss out on certain things, you know? And I try to think like, well, if I had, if, if my life was different, you know, I would have to adapt to that situation. So I try to make sure that I don't let my Ed take over. So as soon as I get up in the morning, I have um, two egg whites. I have my coffee, take care of little man, and I just I just go straight to the park and I take my walk. And then I come home, I take him for a walk. And then there's definitely those moments where like I get sad, but it's like I have in my head I'm like, you have your routine. I have to keep my routine. And then if I don't have my walk, then I there's days where I'm like, okay, well then you can't eat dinner tonight. And I eat the same thing every day, Monday through Sunday. So for me, it's having that routine. If I didn't have that routine, then I would crumble. And in my head, it's like if my sister was to call me and be like, hey, do you want to do a drive-by to go see my nieces right this time? Like, I want to be able to go and do it. So it's like I'm waiting around for something mm -hmm. so that it doesn't prevent me from having a binge. And that's like, it's, it's, it's definitely like, I remember being younger and it's like, you go to bed at night and it's like, oh, what can I go get tomorrow? Like, go get some hot wings and devour some hot wings, you know, and that you can't let that be what you're going to do tomorrow. You have to fill it with something else. So I would definitely say, as I've gotten older, I have a love for the outdoors. So just going outside, enjoying the sunshine, taking a walk, listening to the birdies chirp, like I enjoy that stuff. Like I don't need material things yeah. to make me happy. I'm definitely a minimalist. Um, but I also don't want to miss out on anything anymore. Like constantly, you're constantly talking to yourself in your head just to get yourself through the day. And I think like what you were doing with um, the videos that you were making was really cool too, just because I think it was stuff that a lot of people feel yeah. and relate to and probably like needed to hear. And I think a lot of people are out here just like, saying stuff just their own thoughts yeah. and like we're in this this place right now where like like we don't have anything else to do but talk mm -hmm. to ourselves and like our phones kind of are becoming that but it's cool because mm -hmm. there's like a hive mind sort of thing going on right now because everybody's just saying their thoughts into their phones but then it's going out to everyone else right. and we're all kind of like hearing each other's mm -hmm. um, thoughts and i think sometimes you hear stuff that you need to hear and it's like a a good thing. Well, and it's funny you say that because I haven't posted any videos. I haven't done a lot on my own Instagram page. Um, I made Little Man an Instagram page, and I've been doing a lot on his page. But 
I did a video and without saying too much, somebody saw the video and they immediately made it about them. And I was like, I did this for me because I felt like I was telling me to just speak, speak on his behalf, like just, you know, let people know that like I do exist, that they can trust in the Lord. And it, it kind of, it bothered me. So I'm just like, okay, I got I got to stop for a second and kind of think of like, can I ask? Can I ask you how they made it about themselves? It was in regards, I want to say they made it about themselves, but like, I had said something in the video, um, kind of like job related, and I was like, I'm not working right now. It wasn't that I was like quitting, but I I just, I'm not working, just like everybody else. We're not working. We're all just trying to get by day by day. And they thought that I was, you know, going to quit. I'm like, I'm not quitting. It's just, I'm not working right now. And I was like, all these people saw it and then everybody started asking me questions. They're like, I did this video for a different reason. It's not about your situation right now and how I'm going to help that situation. So like it kind of made me upset because I was trying to just spread a good word or like, you know, just kind of say how I was feeling. And I just felt like it was like taken away from me to where like something I thought I felt really good about doing turned into something different, a, bit, a different situation, a different problem. And so I felt like I couldn't say how I, how I felt. Um, and here's the thing too, so I'm a private person for the most part, so this is like huge for me to do, and even huge for me to have done those videos, because when you have an eating disorder, everything's private. You want to keep everything hush-hush. You want anybody to know. You want to look like this perfect cupcake on the outside and hide everything inside. So when I when I did that video or when I did the videos, it was just like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna talk about it. Um and it felt so good because I do like I love God. Like I know he's there and I know there's a heaven and he could speak through my day. And when I did it and it was like taken into a different concept, like it just kind of like killed me. So like ah I thought I could do this on a regular basis and it would make me feel good. So now I gotta like take it and keep it away from other people. Does that make sense? I, I mean, I think, I think I can definitely relate to that. And I think anybody who is like an artist of any kind, like you make things from your heart and you put it out into the world yeah. and then you have to deal with people like criticizing it or dissecting it or doing whatever they do with it. But it's kind of yeah. hard. And you feel that like that ass whooping and you kind of have to develop this, this tough skin after a while and realize that like you are going to have an opinion you're going to say what you want to say. People mm -hmm. are going to take it how they take it. Some people are going to take it bad. Some people are going to take it good. And you just have to like not let that stop you because even doing this show, like I've said, and Angel too, like we both said a ton of shit that like we never wanted to necessarily broadcast to the world before. But yeah. kind of like after doing it so many times, we got to the point where we were just like, you know what? Like this is... I am who I am, you know? It does take time, but I think it's still, I don't, I wouldn't say like, let that stop you as far as I'm. No, yeah. And I mean, I'm just going to piggyback off of what Tony said. Like, I just don't think like, I think as artists and creatives, like when we put stuff out there or anything, um, there's a sense of some sort of like outside validation. And we, it, not, it might not be like our, um, our intention, at first, at least like it wasn't mine that I've realized, but what I've realized is that it was. <laughs> like a lot of the times you look for like outside forces to validate you, 
I'm speaking for myself, that's like what's going to kill you. Like it's what's gonna, it was what was killing me emotionally, you know? And so what I've been able to do lately, especially in quarantine, I've realized I've been working on, you know, my own creative stuff right now too. I can't allow like to get too high off positive comments and to get too low off negative comments. It's both. You know, if you get too high off of positive feedback and like everyone's gassing you up, like you're great, you're great, yeah. you're great. When someone doesn't like you, that's yeah. just going to drive you down way lower. So now it's just kind of like, I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to put it out there and it's stuff that's from my heart and whether people like it or not, I'm still here. You know, oh, you're not going to knock me out. You're not going <laughs> to knock me down. So. Bars. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's the thing, like, I don't like, I don't like disappointing anybody. I don't like hurting anybody's feelings. And, like, I think the last video I did, um, which Can I ask you, though, real that, quick? Can I ask you one, because yeah. you said something really interesting to me. Oh, no. <laughs> like, you said, you said, you said, I don't like disappointing people. So can I ask you one question? Do you like disappointing yes. yourself? No, I don't. But if you had to choose then, disappointing yourself versus disappointing other people, who are you going to choose? I feel like if I feel like if I well, here's the thing. Like here's the thing. It's like I feel like right now being quarantined, we're struggling with that because it's like I I love to work. I want to work. I want to get up in the morning and I want to work. And um, but it's like well, I can't work right now because I'm like in this waiting period you know you're either on employment you're not on unemployment like you know so there's definitely moments where Girl, I, I, go on, sorry. I, <laughs> I go on a I go on a roller coaster with it because it's like motherfucker I'm coming first like they can wait I'm first what I want to do comes first but then I go back down the other road and I'm like I can't disappoint them I have to put them first so I'm a little bit of both and it's hard because I have that, I have a bad habit of if I put me first, I always feel like I did the wrong thing. It's so hard for me. But that is so programmed first. into us. I know. I and know, that's what I'm I saying. Know. And it's like, until we can really restore ourselves, like we can't help others. Like right. we got to take care of us and like our mm -hmm. being so we can take care of other people. You know, it's like, cause we can't keep perpetuating these things like, oh, like the selflessness of like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for this person. It's like, why would you, you know? Because like, the other yeah. thing too with that is like, well, if you do do that, then like, as soon as that other person, other person disappoints you, that disappointment has way more weight than it yep. deserves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so... Yeah. That's why you kind of got to like make sure you, you're, you're managing your, your shit yourself because you're well, giving other people too much power. Because, right. And that's the thing. Like, it's funny because like there's definitely moments where like I'm not really so much like strong. And every time I get into a situation, I go, okay, just be that person who observes. Always walk away and just mind your P's and Q's. I don't want to really like get, and get in anybody's business. And it's like sometimes you find yourself, you know, you know you're getting sucked into it and just say, I gotta jump back out. Like I don't want anything to do with this. And I'm the type of person where it's like, just do what you're told, follow the rules and everything will be okay. You know, kind of calm down, look at everything and just and just go with the flow, just do your job, don't get overworked. And sometimes I find 
other people just like suck me into their situation or their drama and it's like you have conversations or you may have said something that's like this is not me like I don't I don't do this and it's been I like pull myself back really hard and then people are like whoa like you have an issue and it's like I just don't like who I'm becoming and I think with this quarantine like I felt that a lot like I love my family but like I mean tell you a minute like I'm really old school like I don't have Wi-Fi, I don't have anything, you know, like, I, <laughs> I'm an old bird. I want to talk about positive things, good things. I don't want to, like, get on the phone and, and bitch with people all day. Like, that's not good for your mind. Like, this yeah. is just not good, you yeah. know? I mean, I wanted, I wanted to make sure that you had the platform to say what you wanted to say to the people that needed to hear it. Like you were saying in the beginning about this being like a dual life thing. To me, it was really important for me to give you like a platform to like kind of make a a declaration of some sort, like here and now to kind of make this the, the turning point of some sort of thing where you could come out of that uh, dual life thing. So, so I have a question. Do you, does, is, are you saying dual life because is, is it because there's, this is your first time discussing it, right? And a lot of people don't know. Is that what you mean by dual life? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes, like, it's interesting because I had uh, a, friend, a co-worker years ago I used to work with, and she knew, but she goes, because of the fact that, I, like, I worked out a lot, like, like, I didn't, I definitely had a moment where, like, I was, like, sick then, and it was after uh, high school. Um, but if you were to, I don't want to say how do I say this, sometimes I don't look the part, but I think that, and she said that to me, she's like, you don't look, like when I look at you, I don't see that you have that because I have more of like a, an athletic joke. So when I meet people, because like I said, I do work out, it's like until you really get to know me um, and I feel comfortable, then I slowly start to think at it. Or I slowly start to you know, tell you a little bit more about me or why I am the way I am. Um, and, and, it, and it's hard because it's like you live two separate lives. You look like something to other people, but then there's so much more behind it as to how I made this person. What would you want to say to like somebody else who might be dealing with the same things and dealing in, in living this dual life? Like what, what would be your message to them? So like I said, like me wanting to do this is more of like, I don't want to be six feet under. I want to be six feet above. I want to live my life. There's definitely days where I wake up and I'm like, I'm done. Like, no more. Um, and it's, it's extremely hard because it's like, it's always on your mind. But someone who's dealing with this, like, I want to tell them, it's, oh, it's okay. You know, like, what you go through, everything I went through has definitely made me the person who I am today. It is a struggle every single day of my life to just kind of break up with my ed, but I know it's always going to be there. I self-treated myself. I didn't seek out help because of the fact that I didn't want somebody to lock me up and control me. Um, so I taught myself that, okay, these are the foods that you're allowed to eat. I still get everything I need. And Someone who has an eating disorder, you you do your research, you study, you read labels, you you know what good things to put in your body. It's when you have that binge that you look for that 
whole pizza, that whole cheeseburger. You know that's not good for you, but you can get rid of it. And that was that whole thing. As I was constantly going down that cycle, and it's like I know what to eat. I used to be a personal trainer. I know how to take care of myself. I need to remember I cannot let outside and and thoughts control. And so, someone who is secretly um, dealing with this, I the biggest thing I can say is it's okay. You have to take it day by day. You have to remember to love yourself, to put you first. The one thing I learned is I definitely, it took me definitely a, a while to get into a routine to kind of see the effects. And that's why I went hardcore into clean eating where I only eat, you know, certain foods that I know are going to give me um, exactly what I need. It's not easy. Um, I was always afraid to speak out about it to my parents because of disappointment. And obviously I was just, I was just embarrassed. But I feel like it's something that for you you want to tackle on your own like with God with your religion or whatever you practice um and that's kind of what you want to do you you don't see yourself trying to get professional help or anything like that that's a hard question for me to ask that's okay um, that's okay you, uh, it's, you kind have like to. A, it's kind of silly but it's kind of like a frugal thing too right like I'll be honest like I don't have insurance so it's like I already go to my like insurance but he can charge me and it's like, there's already things that, like, I'm aware of my issues. And it's like, when you're in that feeling or that situation, it's like, okay, it takes 10 minutes to take 
this is your story and this is like your experience and and what you feel is you know Mm -hmm. correct and stuff but what what I wanted to just say to everyone who's watching this is that you know your journey is not everyone's journey everyone has their own journey people with eating disorders do not have the same journey they do not have the same um effects and so I I don't um I don't want to blanket anything as like blanketed advice that's not that's not what it is because you know I I have people in my life that that have eating disorders and they you know they have gotten help or they've gone to rehab centers or they've they've done it on their own so i just wanted to i just wanted to get that out there i just didn't want to i wanted to kind of see where what your perspective was on it but also note that it's also okay to ask for help even if you're in your 30s i'm probably advanced i'm probably scared too like i'm the fact that like I mean, my mom knows, and, like, she'll, she knows some things, you know, and it's, like, if I were to go over and, like, have dinner with her and, like, eat a whole bunch, and I would think in the back of my head, does she think I'm going to go home and get rid of this, you know, um, and I'm probably scared to, to seek professional help because of things that maybe I already know, you know, and um, my father, like, that's the part, like, Mary only knows maybe like a little bit and to know that like you might fully know um, breaks my heart because it's like you don't want anybody to know. You want everybody to think that you're okay. No, I mean, there's a shame, there's a shame associated yeah. with this yeah. type of thing, right? There, I mean, this is, that's, mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people don't, don't discuss it, you know, like a lot of the times. Um, yeah. And it's, you it's, feel really dirty. Yeah, you feel dirty because you know that self-awareness comes with this part. So mm-hmm. you feel like if someone doesn't have, you know, an issue with food or body image, self-esteem, like they're not going to understand it. So then they're going to judge it. And that's always the assumption that, that, that people will have about that stuff. But it really is getting away from that, you know, and like mm-hmm. concentrating on like, what, how can I just be better? like for myself and not for anybody else. And that's easier, way easier said than done. And there's so many layers that need to be peeled off to even get to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. At least that's, that's been my experience and, and how I've seen things through. Yeah, every day in the struggle, sometimes it's hard because in the profession I'm in, um, sometimes like we'll talk about certain things and um, just in other conversations with people, sometimes people will see somebody and be like, well, they ain't got any disorder, they make comments, and it's like, you were to take like 10 people in a room, we've all got something, we all just don't talk about it. And um, it, it's so interesting because sometimes people would just, they, they see somebody and they're like, well, they've got an eating disorder, or they've got this, they've got that. And I'm like, there's so much more as to why somebody has some type of disorder or disease. It, it's not just about being that perfect person, that perfect body. So much more goes into it. It's definitely, you know, definitely an illness, you know? Yeah, it's deep. Um, yeah, 
and, and it makes me sad sometimes because I just want to shake people sometimes to be like, if you only knew some the things that people do to themselves, and then they come out and they're just, hi guys, you know, and they just, I mean, it's, it's sad. And it's like, I, I never want to wish anything upon anybody, but what, whatever you're hiding, whatever you're, you're dealing with, it's okay to talk about it and come out. And I don't have a lot of friends, you know, I have my family. And I keep my life circle close because of the fact that I always refer to myself as I am a delicate flower, but I am also really strong. And if I didn't go through what I went through, then I wouldn't be the woman I am today. And I never really had a lot of people care about me. And that's the other thing. You're looking for someone to care about. You still love you. And when you don't feel that or you don't have that, you just beat yourself up. Especially after this you'll find that you have more people that care about you than you realize. That was another kind of like thing that motivated me to, to do this too, was because I definitely learned that in doing this, like by being myself publicly and like somewhat unapologetically, I realized that a lot of people gave a shit. A lot of people think that I don't like feel things or like that I'm kind of like, this hard ass or like not emotional or whatever but i think i am that way because i always just i'm like nobody cares bro like that's just how i feel all the time so i walk around just kind of like not expecting anybody to give a shit but then like in starting to do this and then the more i opened up and talked about like deeper things that were important to me mm -hmm. it made me realize like a lot of people do give a shit so i think once we put this out uh, just be ready because you're gonna probably have a lot of people giving a shit. It's funny you say that because I remember when you posted your when you did the video on your mom, and I watched it and like I kid you not like when I watched the video when you talk about your mom, like it hit home with me because it's like you watch somebody be so raw and open, and yeah. I have to say like I'm not social media girl and so your videos and the things that you two are doing like I watch it you know yeah. and so <laughs> it's not bad um, so I <laughs> um and it's like and there was another um I won't say his name but there was another individual who came out about something on Facebook that we both know and we went to school with and I was like you know oh my god and and so there's you you, you pay attention you, you listen to people you watch people you observe and it's like other people to do that push they give you that extra hand that you need mm -hmm. to open up and to tell your story and you know it's important to me because there's been so many times where like i'm like i can't believe i'm still here and i it, i hate to say that because i'm going to have family members that might hear that and it's like they would have never guessed that that's something that i would do you know or friends and it's like crosses my mind all the time and it's just really hard so it's like I'm happy that you guys are doing what you're doing because things that you're doing are you know you gave me the oomph that I needed to be like I gotta like talk about this or, or dig this out because it's like where else would I do this you know it means a lot to me it means a lot to me that that we could do that and uh, I mean, it means a lot to both of us is yeah it's awesome I don't know you personally but that's it's awesome that you would pick you know this platform to tell your story and stuff it takes a lot of courage to 
talk about something like this that you're talking about, mm -hmm. especially when you're not, you know, I think a lot of people are okay to talk about things when they're through it, but like you're still yeah. going through it. And so I think having that openness yeah. about it is, uh, is really courageous on your part. And this is the one thing I've learned about um, eat, eating disorders, especially, but other things too, is it's like, say you're a drinker, you're always going to have that situation where someone's going to be like, do you want to drink? Do you want a cupcake? You know, for me, it's like, I'm always going to be surrounded by food. And it's like, this is always something that's going to be with me. And it, and it is hard. And it's like, you get presented with something on a, on a daily basis. And it's like, how am I going to tackle this? And it's like, I can get through this, but I'm, it's always going to be with me. I'm always going to say, like, why do I need that cupcake? Like, what's that cupcake going to do for me? So it's always something that's going to be with me, but it's just, you have to surround yourself with people who do care about you, who do love you to help you get through those processes. And it is, it's really hard being alone um, and going through it on your own, because right now I am the only person who's getting my, myself through it. That's a pretty good point to uh stop it this is probably going to be a two-part thing actually i'm not going to lie so just get ready for that um, maybe little man will come on he lost <laughs> seven keys <laughs> <laughs> i pretend i was going to give him a treat to get him little man this episode would not be complete without without <laughs> making an appearance <laughs> My uh, whole panda was like Pomeranian. But this is little man. He has seven teeth removed yesterday. Wow, look at all He's got like little fur boots because they had to give him the IV. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you being on the show. And, uh, Thank you. And shout out to everybody who watched our first quarantine edition show. Yeah. And, uh, Let's go. Hopefully we can do some more of these and regain some sort of sense of normalcy out of this crazy <laughs> horse shit. Yay. It'll be over soon, hopefully. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you, guys. Love you all. Peace out. Um, thank you, Ashley, for coming on our show and uh, Thanks, telling Ashley. your story. It's super courageous of you. And, you know, I, we appreciate your honesty. And I think, you know, you telling your story and lifting this off of your chest um is is a great step for you we wanted to address this issue because we know that there are a lot of things and a lot of issues that people may be dealing with during quarantine and being surrounded by food and having to manage your own food um, is something that you may be going through um, we wanted to give her a platform but we also wanted to be very careful and let you guys know that you know her story is her story doesn't mean it is your story um, it is okay to reach out uh, there's so many different resources out there. We'll put some numbers uh, to like the National Eating Disorder Hotline. You can call and like chat and seek help. You know, there's different groups out there and, and we'll, we'll list it all like in the links below when Tony edits this. I just wanted to let everybody know that there are so many resources out there. You do not have to do this on your own. Um, reach out and find a community, find people that you trust um, and, you know, try to get the help that you need. Yeah, thanks for watching. See you next time. Yeah, can't wait. We miss you guys. Should we do still do the walk off? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>